It's, it's, I, I don't know how it goes. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to think without it actually playing. We're recording this not listening to it. Yeah. I was trying to play it in my head, and as many times as I've listened to it, I, I no don't idea. know yeah. it. I know the visuals. Yeah. I know I, right now your face as Shaggy is sliding <laughs> in to close me in know, a uh, washing machine. I know we just passed the part where our heads are on spiders moving across, <laughs> and we're about to hit the part where... The boat explodes. I don't think enough people noticed the spider joke or even got the spider joke, but it tickles me. I don't know how many people watched it and absorbed any of it. I don't well, know, yeah, how, that's very I don't know true. how many people saw it yeah. listen to the podcast. Yeah, I think it only says there's like 40 views, but that means 40 people scrolled past it. What's weird is we have thousands of listeners Yeah, and a whole lot of Instagram followers but there doesn't appear to be any crossover I was, yeah, between I the don't, two. I it's don't strange. get it. I don't get it one bit. But, yeah, it seems like our active, passionate listeners, just thousands of patrons. Yeah. And, again, a lot of good Instagram, you know, likes and, and comments and interaction. But, you know, they don't seem to be aware of all of the episodes. And the same thing that our... our Listeners don't seem to be aware of the Instagram. That's a shame. We should really hire. Is. We should hire a marketing firm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the logical next step. I think that'd be like you see. Just see what happens. Give them a month. I was gonna say like Kickstarters. You see these like for gear or like you know we want to manufacture this bag and we need to get the prototypes done. So we need you know thirty thousand dollars and then blah blah blah. And for podcasts, I feel like a lot of the. Kickstarters are for gear that you would need potentially to record yeah. the podcast or to like rent a hall to We're do a live show. There. Yeah. So I was thinking, what if we did a Kickstarter for like $200,000 and we will use that money to hire like one of the best ad agencies in the world? Yeah. And to just do a massive ad campaign for us. Do you think we can I get support it's for that? Ridiculous enough to work. Or fail miserably. Do you, well, <laughs> do you think our and you're listeners... talking pesos, right? You said dollars, but I, I think you mean pesos. Two hundred thousand pesos. Uh, actually, Vietnamese dong. Oh, okay. Did you accept wampum? No. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, it's just like a flash cut to I, this company's uh, webpage. We do not accept, accept wampum. wampum. <laughs> do not ask. <laughs> Long story. <Yeah. laughs> I I th- I gotta wonder: Would people donate knowing that they're basically donating to like a giant, like the most corporate of corporations? Like, yeah, there's so much money loss in like the big agencies and like <laughs> just ridiculousness. Nothing to... but overhead is what we're paying for. Yeah, yeah. And so knowing that, like, we could raise a hundred thousand dollars, and like sixty thousand of it would go directly to their parties, yeah, and then forty percent <laughs> would be like an Instagram ad buy. I don't. I think it's it's ridiculous enough that I want to see what kind of marketing we would get from this giant company. I wonder, what are they doing different than we're doing? You know. Well, that makes me wonder. What is who has the record for the most failed Kickstarters? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no. I'm reason. starting to think we up this number, <laughs> gonna, like, and we contact Guinness. I was thinking, do we? Do we put this out there just to try? And maybe we go, maybe we go eight grand, trying to kickstart eight grand, and then we can hire like a good local social media marketing firm. My buddy runs a great one, and that money could go toward ads. Yeah. Um, but if and when it fails, <laughs> what, like, what does that do to, to your? Like, do you have a reputation? Like on Amazon, like if you're a seller on Amazon, or you know, yeah, you get voted, or you get yeah, your like, like you know, these people stars. have a bad record. Yeah, but is there any downside to having a bunch of failed Kickstarters, <laughs> or is that kind of same cool? Kickstarter? Like as soon as we <laughs> fail, we just put it up the next every month, every thirty days, <laughs> and. Like we're asking for eight grand, and every time we raise like two hundred dollars, and it's you and I each contributing a hundred, <laughs> and then we get it back because it's that Kickstarter where like if it doesn't go through, everyone gets their money back. They don't charge it all until it's it's until it's funded. Yeah, you're just pledging. Yeah, I mean, I you know, like with that being the case, you could open up a credit card, make your pledge for a lot of money. Yeah, and then just close that credit card, and the charge would get declined. And then who eats that, do you think? 
That's a good definitely, question. I definitely the creator. There's no way Kickstarter is yeah. like, no, they promised it. We're going to get it to you. This, yeah. one, this one's on us, guys. We messed up, guys. <laughs> yeah. We should have. We should have charged the card then, and now we know that. We're we new see at that this. this Biff Hooper donated $8,000. <laughs> Your one there's donation. A, there's a herd <laughs> Applegate who's donated $400,000. Apparently, also for a perk, he made his own for you guys that he's going to donate a park. <laughs> I'm giving him $8,000 in a park. A, an Adelia Applegate reached out and said she's going to mail us some jewels. Yeah. So when those come in, we're sending Here's those right to you. jewels and an invitation to my dinner party <laughs> and i will join you for a minute and just talk about how old i am and then leave you oh it sounds magical yeah <laughs> so yeah check out hardy and sons on, <laughs> on, kickstarter. on kickstarter see what we're up to this month eight thousand pounds keys we can raise that yeah yeah no problem yeah we got we got connections with deep pockets we know people on ad agencies speaking of deep deep this is a, a horrible segue <laughs> to the man who's drowning in what I assume is deep water. He's in the ocean. Deep water. Deep water horizon. When we last left the men, the boys, yeah. uh, they had just seen a, a boat get a grenade thrown a into grenade. it. Yeah. Whoa! And so then the boat exploded. The dude was thrown yeah. into the water. And then after it exploded, it caught fire. Yeah. The order of that seemed a little strange. <laughs> and then uh, there's there's wreckage in the water that this guy seems to be holding on to. But so... When we open, oh, sorry, chapter four, the, the rescue. rescue. Yeah, we forgot we to do that. Yeah, we're, boom, we're carried away in our own theme, <laughs> which happened at our live show too. Yeah, everyone that got swept happens. up. It's a great theme. That's oh, a fantastic. Who theme. is that again? Dan Gillette. Dan Daniel Gillette. Gillette. He's out in L.A. Phenomenal composer. Yeah, he uh, did an internship for Hans Zimmer's company recently. Oh wow! So yeah, he was hanging out with Zimmer. Going to Zimmer's house, taking Zimmer lobster dinners and, and things like that. That's what you do at his company? <laughs> yeah. When you intern for them, you do like half your time is actual in the studio. The other half is you're bringing him his dinner. And uh, Dan was like, yeah, I didn't know Hans. I hadn't met him at this time. And they're just like, here's a key to his house. It's like, yeah, I pulled up and no one was home. All the lights were off. I had no idea where I was just standing in this man's home with a lobster dinner. <laughs> Was it was it a live lobster? I, I didn't ask him. But do you I think met. Hans Zimmer demanded like cook it fresh in front of me? Well, he's German. He's very much like cook yes, it fresh I want in front of fresh. me. Yes. I, I made a joke that I was like, he'd be like getting home as Dan put the lobster on there. He's like the lobsters for dinner. You are for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know a lot about Hans Zimmer, <laughs> but we do know friend of the podcast. He's a listener. Yes, I mean that's a given. Uh, that's a given donated to our patreon thank you hans so right away uh there, there's sort of a fork in decisions here yeah they, they, they open up uh so they have no time to lose it's evident that the man in the water had been injured by the explosion and could not swim much longer Whew. and so frank cries out i see a rowboat on the beach. Yeah, with his eagle eyes. Yeah. Apparently, this rowboat is super hidden. You can barely see it, but he's it's, just like, no, I got telescope eyes, bro. Yeah, his sharp eyes had detected a large rowboat almost completely hidden in a small cove at the bottom of the cliff. We'll make better time in that. And then uh, Joe's like, nah, we have to. Uh, I got to go. I got to yeah. go now. I'm going to dive I'll in just swim, swim after him. And Biff, Spider Legs Biff, goes out too. <laughs> And I assume you ever see the spider in the water? I was, I was thinking of that lizard that can run across <laughs> the water with its legs going up over its head. That's Biff just sprinting across. I got the this, water. guys. You guys stay here. Uh, so Joe and Biff start swimming. Frank and Chet run up uh, and grab this uh, this boat, this old boat. Yeah, and they they drag it up and uh, and into the water. So, and there were two sets of oars in this rowboat. Yeah. So, twice as fast. <laughs> and that's going to come up in a minute. Oh, it does. Uh, what do you have underlined? What's going on with you? Uh, I don't really actually have much on this page. I yeah. just have, you know, the boys pulled the boat across the pebbles and into the water. And then, yeah, they just start swiftly going. Faster, Joe urged. 
Um, Looks as if he'll go under any second. Yeah. And I have to say... Just imagine him, like, you know, in Team America when he's just like, it's me! It's me! (laughs) He's just throwing his hands up like that. I imagine that's how he's drowning. They're looking out at this guy. (laughs) He's just flailing. What's he saying? (laughs) Looks like he's saying, kiss me! (laughs) I'm drowning. I'm drowning! Looks like he's saying, I'm a clown. Um, and then this, this was the line I liked, uh, as we switch pages here, uh, the motorboat in the background was still blazing fiercely flames shooting high in the air. The craft was plainly doomed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was an explosion in it. And in a, in a second, yeah, the, the next paragraph here. Uh, has two things I love in it. The boat, uh, the boys pulled harder, and the rowboat leapt across the water. Yeah. So that's how that, fast those these, those this, these double there. oars are doing. Yeah, just lifting this rowboat out of the water. Maybe Biff's under the boat, lifting it up and running across the water. Oh, that's the good. best of both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the second part of this one sentence paragraph is, uh, he suddenly let go uh, his whole. Oh, did we already miss that piece? He's holding on to a piece of wreckage. The man's... Oh, yeah, we did miss it. Yeah. The explosion victim, fortunately, had managed to seize a piece of wreckage and was hanging on to it. Titanic that's, style. Yeah. yeah. And that's like a page before the sentence, the craft was plainly doomed. <laughs> yeah. And I just can't imagine any reader being like, wait, the craft is doomed? I mean, sure, there was an explosion. It blew in a, apart enough wreckage that the man has a piece large enough to hang on to for flotation. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it is on fire. I, mean, I think it's going to make it air. out of this. Yeah. A little bit of paint. Yeah. <laughs> going to be fine. Probably a piece of duct tape. Yeah. Just give up on it. It seems unfair. <sighs> so he, th- he suddenly let go his hold on the bit of ruggage and slipped beneath the waves. Ooh. He's drowning, Chet shouted. Yeah. As he bent to his oar again. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> why do you need to that's, see that? That's, that's why you're why, rushing to him. <laughs> that's why you're doing all of this. <laughs> thanks, Chet. <laughs> thanks for the play-by-play. Back to you guys. <laughs> As you see here, the truck's going down. <laughs> and now, Chet, for our seaside boat. analysis, <laughs> he's drowning. All right. Thanks, Chet. I'll tell Chet. you what, that, that, that grenade hit harder than tough to act into acting. It's really <laughs> that, bad. That grenade hit harder than Bender. <laughs> Played for Milton. <laughs> Bender. Uh, oh, Lord, Bender. You can't, you, can't, you can't go back into that character because I'll, I'll just lose it again. I'm I was so sore. lightheaded. I was sore from that scene of <laughs> dying Chet in the landslide. But you have to think, they did just crash. So now they're just like, no, we're completely fine. Chet just got hit. With a rock in his shoulder, yet he's just rowing this boat because that doesn't take your shoulders. Rowing it, leaping across the water. Everyone knows rowing isn't an upper body exercise. Yeah, he's not bruised yet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then similar to Biff's legs, Joe made a tremendously long outdoor outward drive dive and disappeared into the water where the man had gone down. And it was at this point that I realized, like, well, the guy's fine. Yeah. Because, like, this is, A, just such predictable uh, action. Mm-hmm. Like, drowning guy, hardy boys on the way, some swimming, some in a boat. Let's go the wreckage right before they get there, and Joe dives into the water. Joe's not going to come up and be like, ah, lost, lost him. him. <laughs> <laughs> just, ah, guys, you're not going to believe this. He pulls out his watch, looks at the time, he's like, 8.15, clock it. <laughs> Mark it. <laughs> <laughs> Or or he dives and he comes up, looks at his watch, he goes, ah, this wasn't waterproof. <laughs> it's it's nineteen it's nineteen twenty. Most <laughs> things aren't waterproof. <laughs> we haven't invented waterproof yet. Oh. Uh, classic. Classic. Uh so he uh then this begins a, a, one of a few little things I that, that I underlined. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Just then Joe and the stranger broke the surface of the water. With the boy holding an arm under the man's shoulder, his head sagged. He's unconscious, Biff whispered hoarsely. As if he's going to hear you? He's unconscious. Why are you whispering? Didn't 
someone whisper something hoarsely in the last <laughs> yeah. book too, and I can't think of what it was. A lot of horse whispers. It's a lot of horse whispers. The author was into horses, spiders, and telescopes. Um, but what I hung up on was they have the tendency to name two people in a sentence. So you have two subjects, and mm-hmm. then they use an ambiguous pronoun. And this one's a little easier, but. Like, Joe and the stranger broke the surface of the water with the boy holding an arm under the man's shoulders. Next sentence, his head sagged. Yeah. Where, yes, we can, you know, deduce that it's the, the, the man who's unconscious. His, his head is sagging, not Joe. <laughs> but it could be read in, like, you know, Joe came up over the water holding this guy and his head sagged. It's like, wait, whose head? And there's a handful of these... There's That's a, hand- a great image. It's just <laughs> Joe swimming with a sagging head. You guys know I've got a very weak neck. <laughs> I can't help it. You know how they say support a baby's head when they're little? No one supported mine. Someone grab the popsicle sticks. That's he just props his neck up with popsicle sticks. That's how he hangs out with Chet. He's like, Chet, let me get your sticks. <laughs> you got a fresh popsicle stick for me? And then Biff, same thing. He's like, my my neck isn't supported, and that's why I have this hoarse whisper. It's because of the fierce angle of, of my windpipe. Joe's neck goes to the side. Biff just leans forward. <laughs> I got good side to side, but my up and down is all messed up. And it's the 20s. They all have polio, too. They're just in bad shape, these kids. I got oh. that FDR disease. <laughs> FDR, <In> my neck. <laughs> FDR wasn't president for another thirty years, but I like it. Well, these are the rewrites. Come on, that's true. Um, so uh, he's unconscious. Biff whispered hoarsely, and he pulled the victim into the boat. The man sprawled helplessly on the bottom, more dead than alive. <laughs> and to me, I thought, but then Isn't you'd be dead. dead? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I feel like if you have, how are you doing? Really More dead than alive? <laughs> what are you a zombie? That's that's like a good grandpa response. Like the like the yeah, you know, grandpa's in the hospital. How are you? More dead life. than alive, kid. No, not even dying. Like that just seems like something a bitter old, old person would, would say. say. Yeah. That's like, old Fenton. That's his proverb. Yeah, when Fenton starts bagging groceries to pass the time in retirement, people be like, "How are you, Fenton? More dead than alive." <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, also, also, while I have you uh, (laughs) early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. (laughs) Have a good day. Thanks for shopping at Gelson's. (laughs) Going down to Corvette's going to get me some discount items. They got the best appliances for my wife, Susan. She needs a new toaster. (laughs) Yeah. Double the food. Uh, (laughs) Two toasters, four bagels. (laughs) That's that's the t-shirt he's wearing. (laughs) That's not even a saying. It is now. It is now. If I said it, it's It's a a saying. So, more dead than alive. And then Frank speaks here. Frank says words that he thinks need to be said. Frank says, we'd better revive him and get him to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, you better. Good contribution to the group. I don't know if you noticed, but he's unconscious. <laughs> and his neck is sagging. Frank is showing his leadership here. <laughs> Frank Quick lifts to... him up. He's like, yeah, I think I snapped his neck when I lifted him out of the water. <laughs> I lifted him <laughs> by his neck. <laughs> That may have been a poor idea in hindsight. <laughs> I'm only in week two of my lifeguard training. In which, uh, so Frank pulls him out, makes this startling deduction of like, oh yeah, we need to try and save him. In which he applies artificial respiration, forcing a little water from the man's lungs. Uh, but the stranger did not regain conscious. He's just spewing a little bit of water, I guess. Yeah, as one does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so they're, they're struggling to revive him. And so they, uh, uh, Frank and Jet took off their jackets and wrapped them around the wet figure. I guess we never really got, uh, it's, 
a spring day. Isn't it like March something? Didn't they say that in the beginning? I believe so, yeah. Um, but so like... It's I a suppose, picnic kind of day. Yeah, the sun is out. Guns are out. Right, but the water's probably pretty cold that they're yeah. sitting in. This, this is coastal water right. early in the season. This guy's I mean, going to be pretty cold. Why would you put your... All that's going to do is get your jackets wet. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's not like this jacket's going to absorb the water. I, I thought it would do him better to warm, like to dry out in the sun. Yeah. Well, I assume their jackets are leather because that was the only fabric available <laughs> yeah. at the time. But yeah, I feel like wrapping a leather jacket around someone isn't going to be the best. No, it's a terrible idea. Honestly, you're better off taking your shirt off, popping the shirt off, popping those jeans off, popping your shirt off and jeans off, and using your warm body to heat them up. I just took... I mean, you just put your mouth on them. I just took an infant CPR class. Yeah. Um, and we, we learned how to do... You got to you know cover their nose. Mm-hmm. Um, or like you put your mouth, mouth around, around the, whole, the nose. whole face there. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. And like how you do compressions. Your soul is mine. You just shang sun their face. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were saying like the first thing you do is you tap their foot and call their name to like see if they're conscious. Oh, uh, weird. Uh, and then they said if you have a leather jacket, wrap it around them. No, they didn't. No, of course not. That's not. <laughs> this is not what you do when you're trying to help someone. I'm very gullible. I want to believe breathing. that. <laughs> someone who's more dead than alive. And if you go over to our shop, we sell our custom baby leather jackets. <laughs> baby CPR jackets. The CPR class is just a front to sell these artificial respiration <laughs> leather jackets. <laughs> Someone accidentally bought a whole bunch in bulk and got to unload these things. They accidentally put them in the dryer, too, so they all shrunk to baby size. Like, I don't know what to do with them. Let's do infant CPR. (laughs) Where are all of our characters from? Because they're all from the same block. There's no doubt about it. It's the same block of 1920s Brooklyn. Hollywood Brooklyn. It's the Hollywood Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, So they see this uh, farmhouse uh, along the road. And uh, they they agree to go over there. Mm. Um, and, man, there's some good stuff coming up. I feel like this chapter I has a slow start to it in spite of being the action. Yeah. But then it's in the... The rescue's the, the worst. It's in the, the calm the part that, yeah. <laughs> that I feel like we really start to get some excitement. Well, that's where the Hardys thrive. I actually, I hate the action. I'm all about the moments in between. Yeah, I I, I want to hear about what these homes look like on the inside. Yeah, I want to I want to have a picture for where they yeah, are. And I love the descriptions of people and their terrible names. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing about these books. So uh so they row toward this thing and uh yeah, they're and carrying this... him on their shoulders. He's just wrapped like a mummy in leather. Um but further as Frank and Chet rowed toward the farm, the boys discussed the mystery. Who was the victim of the explosion, and why had the men in the other motorboat tried to kill him? This is such like a radio stage play line right here. Who was the victim of the explosion, <laughs> and why had the other men tried to kill him? Find out next week. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. After yeah. this message from <laughs> Lucky Strike Tobacco. <laughs> Proud sponsors <laughs> of our CPR unit. One of the cool kids. Uh, the man... Uh, they'd rescued laid downward in the boat. He was slim, dark haired, uh, with a, sh- with sharp, clean cut features and his clothes were cheap and worn. Why, why, why couldn't he just be slim and dark haired? It's like they're, it, that's the compliment sandwich right there. It's like, oh, this was a good looking man. You know, I mean, he dressed slim, like a vagrant, though. great hair, <laughs> but God, his no sense of style. Yeah. And then we get another one of these. So he was a slim Dark-haired man with sharp, clean-cut features, and his clothes were cheap and worn. Biff looked in his pockets for identification, but found none. And this is... It should have been written, Biff looked in the man's pockets for identification. But because of this strange... Like, Biff looked in his pockets. Like, Biff looked in his own pockets (laughs) for identification. Because this could also be read as, like, Biff was looking for his ID... And he thinks he left it at oh, home. Okay. So the same sentence, Biff looked in his pockets for identification, but found none. <laughs> yeah, it could be very much a Biff. So here's how I take it. Biff's jacket is currently wrapped around this guy, right? This guy's wearing <laughs> Biff's jacket. So Biff is literally looking at his own jacket. It <laughs> still I'll, finds no I'll, ID. I'll check his jacket yeah, pocket. He That's pulls it out. Jacket. Wow. What, Biff? He's got my ID. <laughs> no, he's got the same name as me. <laughs> yeah. My God, this picture looks just like me. Oh my word! <laughs> the plot thickens. Uh, then the other. So, uh, but but found no identification. Joe says, "I wonder if he's a local man. I've never seen him around town." 
And the other boys declared they never had either. And A, declare seems like an overly confident word in this situation. Um, But I've never seen him around town. Bayport is a town of 50,000. Yeah, I know. We learned that in the first book. Yeah. I went to a college with 4,000 people. Yep. Including the the undergraduate, the grad school, and the law school. 4,000 students at Valparaiso University. I (laughs) didn't see all of them. Yeah. And this is... I don't know... This is more than 10 times more people. And they are half my age. Yep. And how... How can you expect like that? That's the overconfidence and hubris. I think again of like he must that's be a stranger because yeah. I've never seen him in our town of fifty thousand people before. Have you? I haven't seen no. him at our school or anything like that. <laughs> I don't have any classes with yeah. him. He's not on the baseball yeah, team. I was just gonna say we've never played against him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he goes to Milton. High. Oh my God! It's Bender. <laughs> Bender. <laughs> oh. And then, of course, so uh, they leap out, drag the boat up. Four boys carry the unconscious man up the rocky shore toward the farmhouse. Uh, go ahead. Uh, at their approach, a plump woman came hurrying out of the house. Come on. Yeah, I know. I, Come I did. on. If you look right here, the comparison of him, he was a slim, dark-haired man with sharp, clean-cut features. A plump woman came <laughs> from the house. Fatty. Fatty came waddling this out. Fat waddler. Yeah. Should have just rolled like the bowling ball yeah. she is. Coming out of the orchard. She could have put on something nicer too when greeting this slim, dark haired man. <laughs> yeah. He deserves better than this, is what I'm saying. God, these are awful. Uh, <laughs> My goodness. What has happened? The woman asked. It says running towards them, but I imagine it originally said wobbling towards them. Yeah, that was probably rewritten. We just pulled this man out of the water, Frank explained. We saw your house. Bring him in, <laughs> boomed the father. Bring him right in. Uh, oh, we skipped the, uh, from and from the orchard nearby, a burly man in overalls came forward. So that's yeah, this person. The lumberjack man. Bring him to me. Uh, so then we get into some weird <laughs> this is the best. East Asian <laughs> therapy done by the Burley Farmer at the Burley <laughs> Farmer's direction. Um, a lot of misplaced medical advice um, and then some poor legal decisions. No wonder uh, everyone died so young back then. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you got married at 11. Uh, so they... Uh, I think we just need to read big chunks of this. I mean, that's honestly how it The boys carried the stranger into the house and laid him on a bed in the comfortably furnished first floor bedroom. Good. I was hoping. Yeah, I was was wondering which floor, if they were going to carry him upstairs. Yeah. Um, But then the farmer's wife hastened to the kitchen to prepare a hot drink. That's good. Some hot tea. Uh, Why don't you you give us the farmer here? Rub his ankles and wrists. And get those wet clothes off him, the farmer told the boys. And turn him around. (laughs) Bend them over. Rub his wrists. (laughs) That will step up his circulation. I'll get him some pajamas. (laughs) How about calling him a doctor? Frank asked. No need. He'll be okay. I don't know if you heard. But I'm getting him pajamas. And <laughs> are they silk? And keep those ankle massages coming. <laughs> I feel like this is akin to uh, Mr. Schwartz from the first book, the creepy costume shop oh, owner yeah. that made him try on costumes yeah, and all put that. Put these costumes on. Here's just this big burly <laughs> farmer in overalls instructing these teenagers to give this stranger a massage after taking off his wet clothes. Yeah, which I imagine this comes back. To Franklin at home typing, in which he's not getting all his pages out because he's having wrist and ankle cramps, and he's complaining <laughs> about his circulation. He's just like, all it would take. Everyone knows, <laughs> Sheila, that if you rub my wrists and ankles, my circulation begins to flow, and it will revive my writing. Would it kill you to rub my ankles for two minutes, Sheila? <laughs> Not one, but two minutes. Uh, yeah, how about calling a doctor? No need. He'll be okay. Uh, the victim was soon under the covers. Yeah, but he's tucked in. Frank and Joe continued to massage his wrists 
and ankles. And when I, do we stop? And I added, never. I added, Frank and Joe continue to massage his wrists and ankles in silence. <laughs> Just the drip of a broken faucet in the background and everyone breathing heavily. Yeah, I, so it's that. It's them just doing that. You hear the breathing. They just hear. <laughs> and they look the, up at Chet just there eating, <laughs> just, just watching them. like eating a bag of chips. I thought it was going to be the farmer, like, chewing a piece of jerky, just watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just eating, boys a, rubbing it just deep. eating a raw hot dog. <laughs> just throws him over, like, uh, baby oil. Just, like, <laughs> really get that circulation going. <laughs> God bless. Uh, so then, uh, at last, the stranger stirred fee- feebly. His eyelids fluttered, his lips moved, but no words <gasps> came. Then his eyes Disney opened, princess. and the man stared at those around him. As though in a daze. Yeah, I, I imagine waking up in someone else's pajamas while two teenage boys are rubbing my wrist and ankles. I'm going to be a little bit in a daze. But that's the thing. Why as though in a daze? Like, he is in a daze. He's been unconscious for like 30 oh, yeah, minutes as though in a after daze. drowning. As if he was in a daze. Yeah, almost as though he had been unconscious for a while. <laughs> so ima- imagine that. That's what he's like right His now. His first words, am I more dead than alive? <laughs> I think I'm finally started to be more alive the than dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> the scales are tipping. Yeah, how are you? I'm finally reaching that more alive than dead. So he comes to and they have the most predictable conversation you could have with somebody who's waking up from being unconscious. Yeah, the um, classic question of where am I? Yeah, and then... Uh, you're safe, Frank says. Just imagine, you're safe, as he's rubbing his ankles. You're safe. As you, hang I'm on. here with you. You wake up. The last thing you knew, you you're were, you were drowning. You're with friends, is his lie, too. You're safe. You're with friends. He says that? <laughs> oh, he does say that. Yeah, but what you're forgetting from, from your factual account is that this man is waking up... <laughs> To like a 16-year-old massaging his ankles yeah. and saying, it's okay, you're with friends now. Yeah. What friends is happening? Here. Friends are here. <laughs> hey, kid, I want you to really slowly back away from me. Get then, your hands then I'll feel safe. off my ankles. <laughs> Son, put the cookie down. Stop watching me. <laughs> Who's the burly man in the corner? Where's his fat wife? <laughs> so, uh... So, uh, you know, you're nearly drowned, but uh, you can, uh, when you feel like talking, you can tell us the whole story, said Frank. But in the meantime, we'll call the police or the Coast Guard and report those men who tried to murder you. What a... Couldn't you put that more softly? Like, you know those men who tried to murder you? <laughs> We're going to call the police or the Coast Guard. Yeah. Somebody. We're going to call somebody. <laughs> we haven't decided yet. Oh. No. No. Don't, don't do that. Why not? The boys were shocked. Why not? Joe burst out. The man was thoughtfully silent for a moment. Thanks, but I'd rather let matters stand as they are. I'll take care of it as soon as I get my strength back. All right. You can get that strength back and yeah. take care of this. All right. So the, the rescue man turned to the farmer. Okay with you if I stay overnight? I'll pay you, of course. No need to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep we'll massage your ankles for free now all of a sudden he's getting a temple massage from the fire he just comes <laughs> in no need <laughs> this is payment enough were you treading water your glutes are probably pretty sore <laughs> i've got the perfect room we need to up the circulation i bet you got a little bit of swim as you from all that water <laughs> let me gives him a wet willy let me, just let me gently blow puts in his ear. finger in his mouth it's just wet it's just... <laughs> Let me gently blow in your ear to dry it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He gets goosebumps just shooting up and down his spine because he's kind of like, I think I kind of like this. But please stop. It's a good feeling, but yeah. (laughs) So the farmer, uh, my name is Kane. You're welcome to stay until you feel strong. Nobody can say I ever turned a sick man away, which is a, I mean, that's quite a hill to die on. uh, Yeah. Stake your reputation on that, sure. Yeah. But when you live... Out in the middle of nowhere, at the top of a cliff, you probably don't deal with that a that whole many, lot. Yeah, I was wondering, what is this, like, the shelter for people with leprosy? Yeah. They're just like, I don't know I if mean, you heard, but this guy's akin, got a farm. It's akin to us saying that, like, the Hardy and Sons podcast, all of our employees get eight weeks of vacation every year. 
And yeah. like we have a firm policy on that. And you can't say that we don't have a generous vacation policy. Yeah. We have no employees, so it's not <laughs> it's not an issue. Uh, but that's but what this guy's saying. It's like, in the policy. In my secluded cabin here, no one has ever been turned away yeah. for being sick. How do how often does that happen? How often do that's two a good boys question. Yeah. I mean, granted, this dude has been waiting for this moment since he bought that house. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, darling, one day four boys are gonna carry a man wrapped in leather jackets up these crazy hills. And throw him on the bed. Deliver him to me. You better make sure this first floor is comfortable. And have that tea ready. Bring some broth. (laughs) Yeah. And toast. Um, But so they asked this guy's name, and and the patient hesitated a moment. Said, Jones. Bill Jones, he said at last. And before I read the next line, I wrote, sure. (laughs) With a whole bunch of U's. And I was so relieved by the next paragraph yeah. Because I was worried that that the Hardy Boys would be themselves and be stupid. But the next paragraph, go ahead. It was so evidently a false name that the Hardys glanced knowingly at each other. Mr. Kane did not seem to realize that his guest was apparently trying to hide his identity. This is the first time that they've like called a bluff. Yeah. Because every other time it's like... Like, I, I could see them being like, you know, we just saved this guy's life, and he told us his name is Bill Jones. Why would he lie? Yeah. Because that's the logic they used with Red Jackley and everyone else yep. in the first book of, like, why would he lie? Would he like, he, he doesn't drowning. know us. Yeah. Yeah. He's no, no reason to lie to he us. He woke up in a strange place around strangers. Around friends. Around friends. <laughs> <laughs> Who assumed they were friends. And yeah, of course he would tell us the truth. We rubbed his ankles. That's going to give us his real name. I don't know that I would enjoy an ankle massage. I mean, I'm going through physical therapy right now because of my ankle. Oh, but yeah. Now that I think about it, that would be a nice way to wake up. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to wake up with, like, a full-on back well, if, rub. If you're doing the right ankle massage where you're actually rotating the foot, you grab onto the bottom of that foot, push it backwards towards mm-hmm. the actual leg, and then forward, bring it back, and then give it that good rotation. Oh, and you get those joints going. Ooh! I feel like that'd be a nice way I'm to wake up. I'm a foot master, man. I'm telling you. If it I sounds was here, exciting. Bill Jones would be having a way better time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop at the ankles. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm I'm relieved that the Boys, Hardys. I got ten toes. The Hardys didn't take someone's word for it for the yeah, first time questioned. in their career. And with all the fake names in these books, like the ridiculous names, Bill Jones is the one that they're just like, well, that one's obviously yeah. fake. Yeah, um, the, the Snap Man. They're just like, well, that's a real name, Pretzel Pete. That's a real name. Yeah, no problems there. <laughs> um, but then we we get into my little favorite part of we are Hardy Boys, and this is our book. Um, so Mrs. Kane appeared with, <laughs> with hot broth and toast. Um, and she, she suggested that her husband and the boys let the patient rest for a while. Uh, when she joined them in the living room, she invited the boys to have a snack. Chet readily accepted for all of them. So first off, we've got Classic. a fat man dig. Yeah. <laughs> fat man dig is a great name. For a band? Yeah. Fat man dig? We're the fat man digs. Uh, and then we get, a, give us just the, this next paragraph for a sentence there. The snack consisted of sandwiches, of home-cured ham with cheese, glasses of fresh milk, and rich lemon pie, frothy with meringue. Chet beamed. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need these details of every meal. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Wait, did it have meringue? But was it it frothy? Was it frothy? (laughs) Good thing we know all this. The frothiest. And this all comes back to this was written in... The Great Depression. <laughs> where everything... To where all he was doing was that hook mentality of like just imagining the food. And he's chatting his mind. Because in real life, this dude uh, is like 100 pounds. <laughs> and all he's doing is like thinking, I wish I was Chet. I wish I was Chet. And as the Depression wears on and he writes more of these books, it's going to get down to like, and Frank was able to enjoy two whole potatoes. <laughs> Two delicious boiled potatoes. He even ate the skins. <laughs> That's where the nutrition is. They don't tell you that at the market. <laughs> oh, so uh, they continue to talk to these people. Yeah, Chet was waxing her car about how amazing this pie was. You should open a restaurant, as the Hardys just chuckled, like, oh, you say that to everyone. You fat, fat man. <laughs> you fat man. 
uh, then uh, they start asking, like, because, you know, they're right near the Pollitt's house. Uh, so her young guest said nothing of their early adventures inside the Pollitt house, but Frank casually asked the Canes if they had known the deceased owner and if anyone living there, uh, and if they knew anyone uh, living there now. And the farmer, thank God he knew these things, says, sure, I knew Felix Pollitt. Close-mouthed old codger. But which is a weird <laughs> reputation to have and be spited for. Like, I don't know yeah. anyone who's like, oh. <laughs> like, like if you were like, hey, have you ever worked he with so-and-so? Like, oh, this guy is a closed-mouthed guy. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't talk a whole lot? Like, no, I mean. He's very polite when he does. Yeah. All he says is yes, sir, and no, sir. Very nice. Very smart. But uh, closed-mouthed. Um, but I did hear him once say something about having a no-good nephew. Ooh. Pilot said he was his only living relative, and he supposed uh, and supposed he'd have to leave the property to him. Um, and so then they, they start talking about how it's a haunted house, and Mrs. Kane says that she said some kids went up to play there one time and have a picnic, and they heard, like, they thought it was haunted because there were ghosts. Uh, they heard people, you know, screaming inside and all yeah. around. And the Hardys are like, hey, that happened to us, too. Yeah. But instead of telling them, like, oh, that happened to us, too. We experienced something similar to that. Yeah, your friends aren't crazy. Yeah. But instead, they start thinking to themselves, Biff frowned. If those ghosts are from Bayport High, they'll sure have the laugh on us, he remarked. They sure will, Chet agreed. I'd hate to face them on Monday. Like, I'd hate to face them on Monday. This is the same thing to me as Heard and Adelia Applegate being like, you've made a fool of us by yeah. saying the treasure might be in the tower and then it wasn't. You've made a fool <laughs> of us. No. No. And if you see these kids at school... Like, oh, you really thought we were ghosts? They're like, hey, you stole two eyepieces and a toolbox. Like, yeah, that's you're grand thieves. theft. Yeah. Uh, you locked us in. Like, that's kidnapping. Yeah. This isn't fun. You didn't get us. Like, you you locked us in a closet after you lured us there. That's that's not a prank. That's a crime. Yeah. And what are you doing in a dead man's house? You're also trespassing. Yeah. So who has like the last laugh now? Yeah. Have fun going to jail. Yeah. My friend's dad is a detective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how often, like in every, I never thought about that. If the friends actually name dropped, yeah. It's like I don't know if you know my friends Frank and Joe Hardy, oh! son of the great detective, internationally known detective. <laughs> Well, there's been so many times where, like, they were trying to get into the theater or, you know, the wig shop. Yeah. And he shows his card or it says his name and people are like, oh, Fenton Hardy, right this way, sir. There have to be a thousand times where they were like, "Uh, actually, our dad is Fenton Hardy. Who, kid? Uh, Fenton Hardy, the detective? I don't know, no detective. (laughs) But I know y'all can't come in here. I like the sassy guy. Yeah, the sassy, yeah, the sassy, sassy steak and chicken accent up in <laughs> up in the East Coast in New England. Yeah, the steak and shake employee. Now, do you want your milkshake with frothy whipped cream or not? <laughs> How frothy do you want this pie? <laughs> ah, extra froth. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so they sort of started with that the a little bit. The kid was a real jerk. Closed mouth, old cod, or ass for froth. <laughs> you really had a hard time with that froth on account of his mouth being so closed. <laughs> he just smeared it all over his face. <laughs> Closed mouth, old codger. And he, that's, like, that's the thing about Felix. He always had crap on his face because his mouth was closed. <laughs> Should have seen this man drink milk. <laughs> <laughs> He's Everywhere. the poster boy for got milk. <laughs> Imagine that's, what that would do to just like your lips. If that's all thing. he does is drink soda, but by his drinking it, just yeah, literally taking the rim of the glass and just touching, touching it to his mouth. His neck is it's always just, his skin is just stained <laughs> in this circle, chapped, <laughs> closed mouth, old catcher. <laughs> Felix went on to invent chapstick. <laughs> Felix, what the weather is supposed to be today? 
<laughs> Close mouth old codger. <laughs> Little did they know that his mouth was actually sewn shut because he talked too much. Old codger. this farmer. <laughs> Close mouth old codger. After I was done with him. He didn't like my ankle massage when he kept raving about how bad it was. Closed ankled old codger. <laughs> oh. So, so then they start... Uh, Frank states, you know, I'm sure this ghost business was meant to be something more than a prank, Frank stated. Right, his brother agreed. I just had an idea, Frank. Maybe nobody was in the house, but he could have rigged up a tape recorder to make those sounds and a remote control to start it. What say we go back sometime and take a look? No. (laughs) Dude, I, I wrote, you almost died. I'm not even worried about the inherent danger about going back. Let's say yeah. that this is in 1950. You know, let, let's say this was added in the rewrite. Have you heard a radio from the 50s? It's not a high fidelity yeah, right, sound. Right, There's not right. a good bass reflex. You're gonna know. You would know. You wouldn't be out on the ocean side next to your telescope, out on a cliff, and then hear someone yell inside and be like, "Oh, that's a real person." <laughs> Like, you'd be able to tell the difference between yeah. a voice... Is that coming from a radio? And this is the 1950s. Yeah. There are no remote controls. There's definitely nothing... Like, you can run a long wire out the window to something, yeah, I, um, but there's not, like, a Wi-Fi... There's no Bluetooth... There's no, like, yeah. RF frequency where you can hit a button yeah because at this point i remember having a tv that was from the 70s and it was still knobs there really wasn't a control everything was through you change the station with the built-in knobs just yeah yeah exactly and you definitely didn't have any sort of like that product wouldn't exist yeah no one would be like man i wish you could press play on this tape recorder from 15 feet away yeah that sure would be nice Hmm. not there just wasn't a market for it i assume i'm gonna assume the same thing I'm imagining how intensive a sound system would have to be installed for it to trick someone outside. We looked up, you know what? Maybe he was using his Sonos app. <laughs> this, it's another Beats pill. God, they're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Maybe it was a Beats pill. <laughs> the trademark written in the page. Come Is that on, a Franklin. <laughs> it's a Beats by Dre pill. Ah. <sighs> And then, uh, transition to our last scene of the chapter. By this time, the boys turned into the long driveway of the Hardy home. I feel like they get richer and bigger every time oh, we I leave. Because now, now it's, this th- it's long, the long driveway of the Hardy driveway. home. A spacious three-story clapboard house. They added clapboard. It yeah. wasn't a clapboard home before. I don't, I don't think even it know was what a, that is. I don't even think it was a three-story house. I think it was a two-story. Like, we had only heard about his... His study on the study second upstairs. floor. Yeah. Yeah. There was never a, a third st- Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they built on, man. They, they keep With all I that like money. The- they didn't put that money in the bank or invest in a gymnasium. Or maybe the, uh, what was he going to invest in? The forensics lab. Forensic maybe lab. Maybe that's the third level. La- or that, the that third could level. Be. That yeah. could be. Oh. Frank also, you- now we know they're on High and Elm Streets. On the oh, corner yeah. of High. Into Elm Street. And the large two-story garage at the rear of an attractive garden had once been a barn. I feel like that is a needless detail. Yeah, that doesn't need to be in there. But, and uh, if they had the attractive garden, we'd just leave it at that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the flower pots, guys. Thank goodness. Um, and then the rest of the chapter is just sort of their, their, they tell... Uh, I was going to say, just as you thought in this one chapter, we probably won't hear anything about the telescope. Frank and Joe parked their motorcycles, unstrapped the telescope, and carried it back to the porch. And I was like, okay, here we go. We also and, get, in case you thought we were done with food. Yeah, I was just about to say it. Uh, like, hey, we have a lot to tell Dad. Um, well, he's in the study upstairs. I'll go up with you right away, and we can talk while the chicken's roasting and the potatoes baking. You just ate. <laughs> literally just. You literally just had pie and milk. Maybe some broth and toast. Some if the, broth if the and guy toast. Didn't broth eat and all. toast, yeah. Um. So they start telling uh, their dad everything that happened, and they you oh, know, say, Wait, hey, go ahead. So, so the three hurried up into a room where Mr. Hardy was busy looking, oh, darn it, yeah. looking in a large metal file in which he kept important records. My thing was, 
I imagine he's not looking at the actual records themselves, but just looking at the metal inside of the file cabinet. <laughs> so, like, or, they just walk in, he's just staring, just, like, looking at it. It's like, what great metal. Or there's one of those, like, foot-long, like, miniature little pool tables that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And he's just got one in there, and that's that's like the equivalent of like hiding solitaire behind your Excel sheet yeah. now. Of he just keeps opening this file cabinet and plays miniature pool in it. <laughs> what are you doing? Yes, what? Coming through files, dear. Looking through important records. <laughs> you know what I keep in these, and don't open this one. Don't open the one marked miniature pool table. <laughs> That's just for me. Uh, I love it. I love so, it. Uh, so they talk about this guy, and uh, they wonder if he could have been the guy climbing down from the boat that they saw on the telescope. Like, could this this Bill Jones character yeah. be one of the smugglers? Uh, and they say, well, you know, we, we couldn't identify him, but he might be. Uh, and then Frank snapped his fingers. Yes, and he could be one of the smugglers. And then Joe Logical offers us question. this, this yeah. question. But who threw that hand grenade at him then? Not one of his own gang, surely. Uh, I mean, clearly. They're smugglers. Yeah. They're criminals. Yeah. It's what you do. Yeah. Anyone who's ever been convicted of anything is a bad traitor. Yeah. And, like, I'm talking about parking tickets. Oh. Anything. Yeah. You're just a bad person. But, But to say, like, oh... Smugglers would never throw a grenade at one of their... Like, if this guy grabbed one extra, like... They're stealing pharmaceutical stuff, right? If he grabbed mm-hmm. one extra pill and put it in his pocket... Oh, yeah, you ripped these me organizations, off, son? Yeah, these, yeah, these organizations deal with that. Yeah, that's... It's, it's a money trade. Did you pay for that pill? No, you get what you paid for. Yeah. It's Can not, it's not like, hey, yeah, I'll help you put some of these in your pocket. You've got your wife at home Listen, who needs... And they know all about the black of the hand. They oh, know yeah. what these kind of people do to each other. I'm excited to meet Tony Prito in this book Yeah, again. I can't wait for Prito to come back. He better come back. Um, so, and those guys in the other speedboat, they couldn't have been Coast Guard men, even in disguise. They wouldn't use grenades. And to that, I thought, you're so naive. <laughs> Coast, undercover Coast Guard agents have no limits. Yeah. If you want to stay undercover, you stay undercover. You stay undercover, you, yeah. You have the, you not seen Donnie Brasco? Yeah, really. <laughs> They're going to use grenades. If I'm a Coast Guard agent, not even undercover in disguise, I'm using a grenade. First uh, thing I do if I get a grenade and I'm out in the ocean, I'm going to throw it out in the ocean see what happens. Kill some fish. Kill some fish, yeah. So Come Mr. Mr. Hardy then comes to the rescue uh, with a, another strange bit of reasoning, which we yeah. saw earlier in the chapter. But uh, Joe's right on the second point that the Coast Guard, uh, it couldn't have been Coast Guard because of the grenade. But Jones still may be a smuggler. Ooh. And uh, yeah. Obviously. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for picking up on that. Thank you, Fenton. Um, And then (laughs) Joe asks, you mean he might have done something to make his boss mad and the boss sent out a couple of men to get him? Joe asked. And I said, wow. (laughs) Yes, Joe. That is is what what we are saying happens in these situations all the time. If this theory is right... And we can persuade Jones to talk before he either rejoins the gang or starts trying to take revenge. Then we might get him to turn state's evidence. I don't really know what that means. I don't either. It sounds like it'd be I, helpful for the Hardys, though. Yeah. It sounds like something legal to make a case with. But, yeah. I, but I don't know what turns state's evidence refers to. Uh, guilty as charged. Um, and then the chapter ends with both the boys were excited. Both jumped from the chairs and Joe cried out eagerly, let's go talk to him right away. By morning, he'll be gone. And it made me flash back to Red Jackley of like, well, better fly up there because he's going to die soon. Yeah. And they're just sort of happy about that. I wish, though, that Oscar Smuff was here. And Dude, I wish yeah, that they a, had to race him. There's a lack of Smuffs. Um, God, I hope he comes back. He that, has to. Than, he's such a good character. Yeah, like, he's, he's such a good pin cushion for the boys. Yeah. Like, not only is he entertaining for us, but, like, he's a handy character to have, to have, like, a rival that's incapable. Yeah. Or here comes Smuff to screw things up just when the boys are doing fine. Boom, 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 boom. boom it's the tuba. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. I'm here, boys. <laughs> 
Oh, no. <laughs> Every time Smuff shows up, they're like, oh, Smuff, another fire broke out. He's oh, no, here I come. <laughs> I've put out 81 fires this month. <laughs> I got to get, you know how many pair of boots I got to buy? <laughs> all with These unique, are all fire retardants, but they still don't do it, man. All with unique tread print. <laughs> you know how much wet garbage is in my tread? Oh. Dirty old Rocco garbage. Oh, shit. Cheap oh, no, Italian dude. market garbage. I just looked at the name of the next chapter. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I've been waiting for. Did you looked. Oh, yeah, this that's is what I was talking, talking oh, about. Man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, I'm beyond excited. Uh, to our listeners, I encourage you to buy the book and read along. Absolutely. Uh, but you're going to have to wait until next week if you don't, or do a quick <laughs> Google search to find out what chapter five is. And uh, it's a good one. I think we're going to meet someone who I'm going to like. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. no doubt that uh, he's going to be a crowd favorite. Yeah. Or she. <laughs> Thank you. Or she. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to assign it's no very, gender yeah. to this name. <laughs> it could be a last name. You don't I know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. I was right, sir. How, how long do we go on this one? Oh, this is a good length. 40? 55, right? 55. 55. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a perfect time to introduce a segment idea that I oh, had. Oh, you brought Look a piece that. of yeah. paper? I did. I did. I, I had to write it out. So I texted Hang on, you. Is this a new segment? This is a new segment. Okay. Okay. This is one that I hinted at on Instagram, and it's called Hardy History. So recently I got a book, and it's the uh, autobiography of uh, Charles Leslie McFarlane. And it is fascinating, and I'm getting small tidbits of hearty knowledge that I figured I will bring onto the show, and it's going to be short. Okay, these are just short tidbits because the book's not that long, and I don't want to run through it too quick. Uh, but Have you already read the entire biography? No, I'm on chapter three right now. Okay. That was one of the surprises I was telling you about, that in the old book, the original uh, 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 House is, on the Cliff. This has me so excited. It is. Dude, it's, it is fascinating. Uh, so each segment is going to be short, and I'm going to leave it off with a cliffhanger, uh, just like every wonderful chapter of these books. Yes. So here we go. Uh, and I'm, I'm chaptering them as far as the segment goes. So this first segment is chapter one, The Ghost Rider. Uh, Charles Leslie McFarlane, a.k.a. Franklin W. Dixon, was the original Ghost Rider of the Hardy Boys. He wrote 19 of the original 25 in the series between 1927 and 1946 and 21 overall. McFarlane regarded the Hardy Boys as a nu- uh, nuance. He wrote them for nuance extra... Nuance or nuisance? Nuisance. Okay. My bad. Nuisance. He wrote them for extra money during the Great Depression. So the only reason he started writing these was to get spare money from his second job. He was currently working a normal, like, uh, nine-to-five job, but he stayed at his job an hour longer every day to, to crank out the Hardy Boys. a book. And he would crank them out in a week. <laughs> so every day for a week, he stays extra to get more money to survive throughout the Great Depression. That's so awesome. Yeah. Hey, that Like, that... Knowing that, and also then revealing that I've done very little research Same. on the topic, uh, I feel like what an honor that we are one of two podcasts. The the Hardy Boys Drink Book podcast is the other. Yeah, um, which I was trying to listen to. Uh, a quick, quick, quick segue here, and I, I was trying to listen to this podcast, but the problem is they do a book. And they have a drink made by like a different uh, mixologist uh, oh, for okay. every episode. Yeah. So it's cool. But my problem was I started to listen to an episode and they do the whole book in one episode. And I'm oh, like, oh, there's too many spoilers. Yeah. Like I have no problem with their format. But for me to listen. Yeah. Like it's – so I, I listened to I think uh, book 10 and I made it like five minutes in. And then I'm like, oh, no, they're giving away everything and while I appreciate what they're doing, I'm like, man, this is just going to make it – when I get to book 10, like, I know – Everything that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to know one thing that happened because I, I was 
I was in the shower and I turned it on loud, loud <laughs> oh, enough no. that I could hear it, but I, my hands were wet, so I couldn't <laughs> stop playing it. Yeah. And so I just started singing really loud in the shower over the <laughs> podcast so that I wouldn't ruin the rest of book 10 for myself. Oh, um, no. But what a cool way to honor this guy who made this like extra little contribution to you know the literary world. Oh, yeah. That has become... Like it, it definitely had its days of of really being a, a phenomenon, and yeah. now it's it's absolutely in in remission. Well, it's it's great because we started this new thing where we go into the uh, like head of the writer within the book with the whole Sheila bit. Mm-hmm. This is actually going in there and finding out these small details that explain why things are written the way they are. I mean, it, it's a deep dive, and he's pretty open about it, and. It just it makes you view each book differently. Yeah, and I love that. I always I picture them writing very passionately. Yeah, and like, to know that they're spitefully oh, writing the as a nuisance. Are up to next. Yeah, yeah. It's just oh, what am I going to do? I don't want to write these boys kids. anymore. They're so dumb. I would like to go home and see my family, but not until <laughs> I crank out another chapter because I have to make it another day because I need this extra money yeah. to buy food for my family. Which explains all the food written into this book. And it was said, it is known that, yeah, the writer is um, 105 pounds at this time. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a very small, thin man. It's a writer. very small, thin man. Yeah. But then I guess when he calls other people plump. Like yeah, they're, they're like probably, 130. Yeah. <laughs> Still emaciated. But there's a little That's, Remember when we complained that Chet didn't look plump enough in that drawing? Oh, in the drawing in the first yeah. book, yeah. But they chunked him up for round two. That's for <laughs> yeah. sure. That's for sure. <laughs> All that eating in round one. Well, I wonder if they'll be more dead than alive when we get to chapter five. <laughs>